0: Hi, I'm Will Ross Golly, I'm Devin Scott We're talking Star Wars Over the years, new home video releases and theatrical runs have seen thousands of changes to the original trilogy Which has left the work of cataloging, reverse engineering, and preserving these films' legacies largely in the hands of fans We're here to talk about that with Drew Stewart, one of those fans and the curator of the Star Wars Visual Comparisons Project Makanki Today, we will demolish our credibility as an artsy-fartsy formalist cinephile podcast by discussing some of the most popular pieces of entertainment ever seen on the screen. The Star Wars Original Trilogy. To do that, we've brought on Drew Stewart. Thanks for being here, Drew. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Drew is curator of Star Wars Visual Comparisons, a compendium of images that demonstrate how the original Star Wars trilogy, that's Star Wars. Thank you. The Empire strikes back and return of the Jedi have been radically changed over and over in the past 4 decades. These changes can range from almost imperceptible alterations to entirely new sequences and special effects. Drew is far from alone in undertaking this project. It is a collective effort. Online communities have also put work into finding these changes over the years. And the result in Star Wars visual comparisons is a stunningly detailed record of alteration with thousands of images spanning the three films. And that's without even mentioning the changes to the sound. Drew... I want to try to trace the lineage of this. We're going to get to your connection to this personally. But first, when when did all these changes start happening?
1: Okay. Uh, the short version is uh, in 1994. George Lucas, who uh, you've, you've spoken of before in your podcast. Uh, hey, he, he's a listener. He sat down and uh, started writing the prequels and found that the 20th anniversary of the original movie was coming up. So he decided to revisit it and re-release it. Maybe do fix a couple things here or there, you know, inspired by Jurassic Park and seeing what ILM could do now. He's like, maybe I can finish, you know, the Java scene. Maybe you could do some more uh, chip shots.
2: I can build stuff and... like this in computers now. <laughs> right. It's great. Girl. Just do it over here. It's great.
1: Um, <laughs> oh my my George is usually better. That was real bad. Uh, <laughs> Mine isn't better.
2: <laughs> but go ahead.
1: Uh, So Lucas decided to uh, have Fox pay to re-release the movie and have them pay for them for ILM to redo some effects and add some scenes. And, um, I'll get into the why, uh, later, I think, but, uh, just the, the history of it. So to prepare for the 20th anniversary, uh, Lucas rebuilt the entire movie from the original negative and uh, replaced scenes and shots with new versions, and then he refused to release it on DVD. If you if you recall back then, you know it was a big deal that uh, 2001, two years after the Phantom Menace came out, he finally released the Phantom Menace on DVD. Like he he didn't believe in DVD, and then three years after that in 2004. Here they are on DVD, the original trilogy, finally. And it's different, again. No no real fanfare about it, no big articles about it, just some things are different. And then seven years after that, uh, they came out on Blu-ray, and you know what? Some things were different. Then nobody talked about it, and nobody made a big deal about it, but some things were different. And then seven years later, note 1997 2004 2011 seven years apart um we got the 4k versions even though they made them uh, only a couple years after the 2011 versions and you know what some things are different some things are changed and nobody noticed and nobody wrote articles about it until i started yelling (laughs) and then people started listening
0: (laughs) But people noticed these things, didn't they? I mean, these were this, these changes were advertised up front, weren't they?
1: Right. Like, the big changes were always advertised, you know? Uh, there's the trailers where it's just like, a few new surprises. And it's like, <laughs> oh, look, here's Jabba the Hutt. Here's a Ronto in Mos Isley. And, you know, those kind of big changes, the additions, those weren't really what I was excited about. Back when the original versions came out, quote-unquote, the original versions came out on DVD, In 2006, as a limited edition. uh, The bonus disc was a copy of the laser disc that they had copied to a DVD and not formatted for widescreen television or anything. uh, Put a DNR, digital noise reduction filter, on it and said, Have fun. Here's the originals that you were crying about. Good day. (laughs) The most exciting thing to me at that point was they had a What Has Changed page on the original site. And they were these like, 300 pixel by 600 pixel, tiny little images of all the little changes that you'd never noticed, like, hey, you know, they recomposited this ship in this shot. And I was like, wow, you know, who would notice this kind of thing? And I loved that. And I poured over it. And in 2010, I decided I should like recreate those, but in high definition so that they're not, you know, 300 pixels wide and they're not even on the website anymore. So I got a hold of uh Wookiee groomer who uh, is apparently a, a fan editor. He put together a split screen where he frame by frame lined up the original versions with the 2004 special editions. And so I just started going through like, okay, I'll, you know, somebody gave me a copy of the original webpage. And so I just started going through, but there were like, a hundred other things that I noticed different between each of the changes that they had pointed out. I was like, does anybody know about this stuff? And everybody's like, well, I noticed this, but I never noticed this. And so I just started taking screenshots and went through all three movies, basically frame by frame. It's not, it's not as tedious as it sounds. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I can watch the movie at full speed. But if you kind of like blur your eyes, you can see that something was different. Just cross your eyes and empty your mind. And and you just have to look at the special effects shots. You know, they didn't change anything in the most of the live action shots. And uh, I ended up with thousands of images, like you said. <laughs> and I had them in a. So I started it in 2010 before the Blu-rays came out. And then everybody's like, there's changes to the Blu-rays. And I was like, please, no. No more changes. (laughs) I can't catalog more changes. And they changed more. And uh, three years ago, I realized that no one was looking at the Google photo album that I had, other than the fan editors like Harmy, who does this despecialized edition fan edit, fan restoration kind of thing you know, he'd utilize it and other people like that would. But I was like, the public needs to know about this. And I was like, I'll start a Twitter. And it didn't get out of hand, but it it grew a lot uh, in big jumps a few times. (laughs) What were those big jumps? Visual effects artists who uh, work for or have worked for ILM, um, finding it and retweeting it to their feeds usually. Uh, But the biggest jump was when uh, Disney Plus came out and uh, I just happened to be awake when it launched. <laughs> yes, I remember this. I was awake for this too. <laughs> my dog, my diabetic dog, had like fallen out of bed and it was, you know, I was sad, but I looked at my phone and my, my friend who lives on the West Coast is like, Drew, it's up. It's up. Drew, it's happening. Go to Disney Plus. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so I check it out, you know, at two o'clock in the morning and I'm like, this is not. It's fine. It's just the regular versions.
0: Oh, and no.
1: I, I tweeted that out. Like, everybody go back to bed. It's fine. I and somebody's know. like, but this forum post says it's not. Greedo says something else. And I was like, <laughs> no. No. That's not possible. <laughs> that's not physically possible. <laughs> and so I tweeted, I, I took a video of Greedo uh, yelling McClunky. Over my dead body.
0: Oh, <laughs> Le Yes, I bet you have.
1: McClunky. The problem is that I wouldn't have believed it if people had come and said, "Drew, you're going to have to do a whole new set of comparisons because Greedo says McClunky before he shoots Han," and I'm like, "I would, I wouldn't believe them." (laughs) Oh my gosh! I
2: just watched the McClunky bit for the first time ever. I'm. What on? Oh, oh, my monkey! Oh, I wish this was a video podcast for the first yeah. time ever because like... this, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm revulsion. Oh,
0: yeah, I remember when that went when that those tweets were going up and like just this pat like this moment of panic. I'm like, just for people of us who really care about this stuff, it was like this DefCon one moment <laughs> of like Han yeah. shoots first has been changed again,
1: <laughs> and saying, oh my god, this is not a joke and uh some of the the websites picked up that tweet Just, <laughs> oh my god this is not a joke <laughs> and it, it was that point i realized that my job had started over again after 10 years i finally have everything and then i realized that my yeah i have to start over yeah because they rescanned the negative. And redid all the changes from 2004 and 2011.
2: So it's that new version that I kind of like. I think I stopped really being obsessive about this <laughs> around the time of the Blu-rays. Like right after, like the Blu-rays, I have a pretty good lock on the changes, but I haven't even like hardly like gone over the the new the new scans. It's almost like. My brain compartmentalizes it because they've been basically <laughs> releasing everything off of the same old like '90s 2K scans for right. like y- y- you know decades, and now we have a whole new set of scans. So my brain's like, nope, not even gonna, not <laughs> even gonna bother. I have 4K 77 yeah, no, and whatever. That's what sets Drew you know?
1: apart. Yeah, it does look better though. Yeah, it does. Oh yeah, like yeah. it has it has more DNR than I would like, mm-hmm. but it does have the colors. Yeah. And people complain about the colors, so they aren't right still. But I'm like, the blue mess that was the, what I call the <laughs> HD branch, which is 2004 and 2011, is just awful. And that's what Disney's showing you in theaters today. Yeah,
0: weird magenta skin to tones. going theaters last and... week.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, Crushed uh, so blacks, of it... gone. Yeah. Gone
2: yeah. blacks. Well, well, so much of the um, shortcomings of the of the 2004 or basically every digital release pre the new 4k one um was that it was done on like 90 scanners had huge limitations they don't collect good color data <laughs> and that was scanned yeah. by industrial light and magic yeah
1: in in the early 2000s or late 90s yeah
2: Mm-hmm. And, and if you ever heard like someone like Roger Deakins and his thoughts on the scan of a Brother Where Art Thou, which was the first ever full DI, that it has limitations. Uh, DI is just in that era, we're not what we expect in a modern DI. So it's not just you have inaccurate color, it's you have only a bit of the color that resides in the actual negative <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of the actual data uh, there, which to me is like, it's stunning that... You know, some of the popular films ever made, until just very recently, were stuck in that kind of late '90s morass of color, which you know, I can rant forever about that.
1: <laughs> I heard that the uh, classic Bond films that they scanned oh. in 4K, they uh, when Lowry did the restoration, they folded the HDR data into the scan, and so now you can't get HDR of from the old Bonds. Because they then they also printed those to film. So even if you were to go back to the original negative, it would be the Lowry Restoration and the HDR is gone. That's what I've
0: heard. Wow. Wait, so the original negative did they discard the original negative then oh.
1: or I'm I'm not sure. It doesn't make sense that they would because no editor throws away old film. Yeah. Like George.
2: Unless you're Robert Wise and the film is Magnificent Emerson's. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bro- <Yeah. laughs> Oh, yeah. No, um, they actually, you know, a story about how um, Orson Welles left the country to location scout a film that never happened. His second feature ever, Magnificent Emerson's, taken away by the studio, re edited, they burned the negative. Oh,
1: <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so it does happen once in a while.
1: I was surprised to learn that Psycho uh, has been cut every time that, that it's been seen. I just reason. saw this We today. just read the article, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, it's actually like I and this is actually something that you might be able to clear up for, for me at least. And I will you probably already know this, but I can be the layperson. At, at some point, it was thought that when Lucas made the special editions in the '90s, that he actually edited in the changes to the neg cut, to the actual picture lock version of the negative, and that he essentially overrode all the, like the original negative as it was reprinted for release in 77 essentially no longer exists in that form is that true
1: absolutely
2: damn it <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what he what they did was they took apart the original negative to to clean it and to build the special edition uh, for all of the the scenes that they had to digitally make like uh you know the Rontos and Mos Eisley and stuff they had to scan the film at 2k and then print it do the effects and print it out to film and then they edited that film back into the original negative which <sighs> is why the 4k version is a scan of the 1997 original negative but with uh, all of the changes that were done to the dvd and blu-ray put back on to to create a final version they had to start over from scratch basically
2: wouldn't that have incredibly destructive effects though on the stuff? Cause for example, any CGI shot, they would have to DI or digital intermediate that's scanning a film that shot until you to digital, and then reprint that onto film, that they'd basically be rescanning in the twenty first century now the nineties DI for those shots, wouldn't they?
1: And if you look at any of those shots that you know is hundred percent CGI, they look like two K upscales.
2: Oh boy. Oh, this is the most <laughs> depressing podcast ever. <laughs>
1: but I mean, it's filmed 2K, so it's not like as bad as Attack of the Clones looks, which is, you know, a 1080p upscale to 4K. Well, that,
2: was shot on, that, was, that was shot on the um, Sony Cinealta, right? Yep. I think, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a film that was later used for deliberately lo-fi movies. I'm getting off topic, but I'm, this is really interesting. <laughs> In the Loop is good. Yeah. But no, the negative...
1: Unfortunately, if you ask for the original negative, you'll get a copy of the 1997 Special Edition.
0: Uh, do, do the trims still exist? Uh,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's, no re- there's no way that the trims don't exist. How do you know that, Drew? Because Lucas is quoted as saying, I don't throw away film. I'm okay. an editor at heart. That's
0: a relief. That is good. How do you know this <laughs> stuff in general, Drew? Like how, how does all this
1: knowledge get accumulated lots of reading and Mm -hmm. googling (laughs) (laughs) i i for years wanted to write an article about the making of the special edition but i could never really find the the hook for it you know because like a history is boring um but i can recite that kind of those kind of details all day eventually for my wired article that i i wrote was that this year? That was this oh year. Yeah. It was so long ago.
0: Pre-COVID, yeah.
1: COVID, just <laughs> before COVID. Yeah. Uh, I, I managed to narrow it down to just focusing on the changes and why they exist, why those changes were made. So a lot of the the data that I have, even a lot of the changes I have, are thanks to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, as much crap as star wars fans have gotten recently in regards to like the disney movies and such there's still good community out there you'll find a lot of fan editors and people who are passionate about the minutiae of this kind of stuff like you mentioned that i don't cover the sound uh, changes but there are those who do there's a guy out there harry hin and he has like grabbed every single audio possibility of star wars and has like preserved it and it's just incredible like 4k 77 i think uses a lot of his work oh he did those oh wow yeah i believe that that was harry mm. we're big and fans of
0: 4k 77 here at film formally
1: it's it's very nice my uh, background that none of the listeners can see is actually from uh 4k 97 Oh, which right, is right. also available on their forums. Somebody scanned a, a copy of the uh, 97. Holy moly, that special is...
2: <laughs> <edition>. <laughs> that is a niche. <laughs> so, uh, people...
0: What do you mean people had Someone has... Someone scanned the print. What, what does that mean? They scanned the print? First of all, what is scanning? Second of all, who's getting these prints? Uh, third, how do these communities even happen?
1: I know that there are private collectors out there who have theatrically run prints of most movies like if you go on ebay you can find a 35 millimeter print of anything i i think the first versions of 4k 77 were done on homemade scanners where they took basically took a canon camera still camera and projected had a projector right up against the lens and just projected directly into the camera frame by frame uh i think that they're a little more sophisticated now <laughs>
2: I mean, we've been down that path with uh, our, our kind of obsession is the good, the bad, and the ugly, where we uh, we did our own little fan restoration. And then by doing so, we encountered a whole underground community that we had no idea existed. Yeah, um,
1: there's, there's so many communities. Like, I had no idea that the Star Wars fan edit or fan restoration community was so big. And... It's amazing what kind of niche stuff you can find just by looking around. You
0: said you had no idea. When was it that you had no idea? When did you stumble on it?
1: It, it actually feeds into, uh, into my comparisons. I randomly discovered Star Wars Revisited. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it. It's a, a fan edit by 81. So 81 basically created what I I ended up running as social media. Uh, What I termed uh, what the special edition should have been. A fun side project that fixes continuity errors, enhances some visual effects, and looks, actually has good colors. (laughs) Right. I stumbled onto OriginalTrilogy.com to find that fan edit. And in finding that, I found a community. And I found that uh, I was really interested in all the changes that he made. So that's where my my discovering changes started was actually going through revisited and trying to spot all the changes that he'd done. And so I started it. I made like, you know, 100 odd images or whatever. Now, this was before I was as uh, technologically capable as I am now. So I was putting in the DVD that I had burned of his movie and then taking it out and putting in the DVD of the 2004 and then trying to find that same frame and be like, did that change? I don't remember. Then taking that <laughs> disc out, then putting the disc back. Oh. In. It was a pain. And he was like, I appreciate your work, but I can do this because there's a bunch of stuff you're going to miss. <laughs> right. I, I remember
0: when I first, it would have been about 10 years ago when I first started stumbling on these communities and it's so interesting how it seems to this day that members come in and out of them over time. A lot of people who do important work with discovering these changes, you know, whether it's color or cutting differences, not just in Star Wars but elsewhere, will do important work anonymously and then just slip away into the internet. And it's just interesting that these cultural preservation efforts for multiple films are happening online often anonymously uncredited and then just slipping I mean it's like silent films a lot of them have been preserved only because people collected these 16 millimeter prints of them or even 35 millimeter prints and traded them and that was frowned on by studios because it was considered piracy It was illegal and now today a lot of those studios the prints that they use for their restorations are based on those old traded prints
1: it's extraordinary just the the it's really a labor of love uh, uh, what what these these preservationists do cuz they're not making money off of this they they say that they're not making money off of this uh, a lot of the rules Are you are making money off of
0: Star Wars visual comparison?
1: <laughs> I that article <laughs> right the wired that, article that 20 page wired article that I wrote that I was going to publish for free yeah
2: uh, <laughs> On the, on the, and I'd say, moreover, I mean, a lot of these people who are making and distributing these restorations are putting themselves at not insignificant risk, too. Oh,
1: um, absolutely.
2: Because this is all illegal um, to a certain degree or another, um, depending on your jurisdiction and how you interpret it. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: the fact that 81, Harmy, these people, you know, we know them. Like you can find them and you know the fact that that nobody's come after them is impressive mm-hmm. uh, especially after all the 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 stuff that went down with CBS and Star Trek fan films and such yeah like they got cracked down on yeah hard i'm actually for, wondering for a good reason but that's not important right now that's a different podcast <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm i'm drew actually pitching I, in, in real time <laughs> i'll admit as soon as disney bought the rights my first thought was you know, first, like, <gasps> will we get an official release of the originals? And two, <gasps> what, what does this mean legally for the for the restoration community? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I don't. And so far, there's been seems to be there's been no huge changes, which actually shocks me a little. But I, I, know, I fully expect Disney to crack down on something at some point.
0: I, I think for now one of the things that's helping is that Lucas had such a deliberately lax policy
2: mm-hmm. on hunting.
0: As long as they did it more or less underground and they encouraged people to buy the originals. And I think that in combination with just how... Well known these changes are, has led to a no jury would ever convict kind of situation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's uh, one of the theories of why Lucas finally allowed the original versions to be released uh, on that bonus disc in 2006 was because of the restoration community, because everyone was taking the laser disc and ripping them and burning them to DVD, which had became frowned upon when an official release did exactly that. So I don't think Lucasfilm has a leg to stand on, technically, until they give us a 4K restoration of the originals. They can't jump on anybody who's doing a 4K restoration of the originals, because until they have a better product, it, the ball's really in the restoration court.
0: Yeah, morally, at least, it's, it's such a clear mm-hmm. court of public opinion <laughs> thing <laughs> at this point. But I, I mean, you mentioned we, we, we've alluded to Disney buying Star Wars. I mean, I mean, that was a big event. I don't know. That was in what, like 2013 tw- or 20- 2012. 2012. November yeah, 2012.
1: Oh, and there's actually a podcast out there where you can hear my immediate reaction. Oh. oh, what was your reaction? I expressed reservations, but more on a positive side. It was more about uh, episode seven than it was uh, about the future because to me it all boiled down to who they got to direct i didn't think about the implications for fan editors and such but they all went quiet for a while uh for those first few months but then in 2013 when it looked like nobody was coming after them they all kind of got back on
0: it can't crawl back out from under their rock (laughs) shifted their r2d2 rock aside and came out of the cave. Uh, uh, we'll have to put an image for that in the show notes. These are going to be some crowded
2: show notes. <laughs> oh <laughs> um, yeah, it's the best episode. So so
0: so, so uh, I mean I think to a lot of people is this right the status of like the legal not just legal but like what I mean a lot of people to this day are asking like why is why does Disney since George Lucas no longer has control of the films why is Disney jo- not just releasing the original original trilogy i mean like it would cost some cash to like go back in and like find the original bits of footage that george kept and <laughs> and resplice them in and or like get the theatrical prints or whatever but i mean they're disney i mean star wars is like probably the top three biggest movies ever made ever yeah right like maybe after gone with the wind maybe after unfortunately birth of the nation like whoa what what's stopping them
1: um now you you'll hear a lot of rumors that you know Lucas put in the contract that that Disney signed that you know they wouldn't ever release the original version, but I have difficulty believing that Disney would sign anything that said you can have everything about this property except this one thing you can't make money off of this one thing. <laughs> right. Disney's not going to sign something that says you can't make money all the money you can off of this. I I really think it's some kind of. Respect. I I think that it's Hmm. it's uh, some kind of misguided respect on on Kathleen Kennedy's part or on on uh, Disney's part to, you know, well, George didn't like him. So, you know, we, we shouldn't do that yet, but it's inevitable. They will come.
0: I wish I was as optimistic as you are about that.
1: (laughs) Um, But I guess the other side of the coin
0: of this is who wants the headline of, like, George Lucas saying, like, they're ignoring what the original director wants from this, right? Like, does Disney want to go through that whole brouhaha of George? Like, he already, like, apropos of nothing, I think, shortly after the sale, he, like, famously had an interview where he said, I sold out to the white slavers. Well,
1: sold out to the white slavers, yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, The thing... (laughs) The thing with Lucas is that he one, it's not his anymore, and, and two, it's it's film history at this point. Like mm-hmm. it was nominated for best picture, Star Wars was nominated for best picture, and you can't see that version anymore. It was it won the Academy Award for best visual effects. You can't see that version anymore. Film history will override all. Without a doubt, there's no way that history will trump an old man who is clinging to what he feels is perfecting something that was only 40% done or whatever he said. The number actually went up between 1977 and 1997 of how much (laughs) it was. Yeah, in a Rolling Stone article in 1977, he said, I think Star Wars is about 45% what I wanted it to be. And uh, but then in ninety seven, you know, I always said it's like oh, it was like eighty percent. Now it's like ninety, ninety nine percent.
2: I think um, I, I would even go one step further than than argument, and especially when it comes to Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, those films were never his. He, he
1: they're not people, his movies.
2: He did not direct them. Irvin Kirshner and Richard Marcan directed them. Um, he he was the producer, and you know he might have directed chunks of Return of the Jedi. I'm not quite sure on that. Um, I
1: I think he directed more than Chunks.
2: Yeah, we, we
0: subscribe to that theory.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, good. There, there's certain... You think he directed which, which scene? or
1: All of them. Oh, you think oh, he directed Return of the Jedi? I think that he was on set secretly. Not secretly, but like leaning into Richard's ear and being like, Hey, you know, you should do this. You should use a telephoto I totally lens agree, for this yes. shot. Yeah. The
2: difference between Empire Strikes Back and how it clearly has the authorial stamp of like a different director with a voice and Return of the Jedi, which feels like Lucas trying to write the what he sees as writing the ship <laughs> um mm-hmm. to try and steer it, it, has always been an interesting tension in that original trilogy for me. And... Yeah,
1: I think that Marquan was just a, a a puppet director. And I I mean unfortunately he can't defend himself mm-hmm. because he passed away, but yeah I feel like and if you look at Return of the Jedi it has the least amount of changes yeah of the trilogy over the years it has to
2: have the single I think mo- at least in my view most like significant but
1: any of the major changes that you're talking about could be the one that you're, you're about to talk <laughs> yeah, about
2: yeah well I'm talking about Um, I, I forget it has many different names but the Jedi Rocks <laughs> please <laughs> <laughs> don't sing it you don't have the copyright just... for that <laughs> come at me John <laughs> <laughs> i just I, I can't get over that scene where it just feels like i remember last time when we know the last time I've, I've watched these films is with will and i just i almost had to like stop when we got to that point uh, at least in the special like good grief oh my god i don't i
1: don't think i could watch it straight through no. um <laughs>
2: It's, yeah,
0: yeah. Especially if you have access to the originals, it is it's painful to watch those
2: versions right. now.
1: Like I said in my in my article, I, I hit on that. Uh, Neck, the original song, feels like a live performance in a you know a criminal organization. <laughs> you know, just here's a live performance that's happening in the background, but uh, Jedi Rocks is a music video that's happening during the movie. Yeah. Like it doesn't it feels it takes you completely out of the movie for no reason except to show that you can create fuzzy CG characters and put them alongside live action actors. And then it into film footage that you filmed.
0: I want to quickly, I want to really quickly sidebar here about. I mean, we're. It's going to sound like we're being hard on on George Lucas, and we're teasing him a lot, and we are. And and I think that's a. Normally, I, I my policy is like go a little bit easier on like even pretty high profile director like you know don't don't tease them don't get personal. But one, he's a billionaire, he can take it. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Two, are you saying eat the rich? Well.
0: <laughs> i 'm saying nibble on them at least two I, I went into this podcast and I said to to drew and devin like let 's try to hold our powder on what we think about these changes for a while I'm almost
2: <laughs> impossible
0: and that 's because this stuff was so this is, this is so transgressive for I mean like I even forget about the Oscars. These movies, aside from being a huge cultural touchstone for so many people, affecting culture, affecting like in a very real, tangible way, the way movies were made, it's it's huge to change these movies in such a substantive way. And you're, the need, the moral obligation to preserve the original versions increases when you decide to release new additional versions. It doesn't it doesn't decrease. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the other side of the, is that like I mean. I think George Lucas is a fascinating and in a very many positive ways influential and uh, in a lot of ways a brilliant filmmaker. Star Wars is an incredible film, I think. So just to, just to caveat that that said I'm 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 I will not cut a moment of us imitating his voice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh boy.
1: Yeah, well, going back to uh, to Lucas secretly directing Return of the Jedi. Right. I, if you don't subscribe to CineFX, uh, get it on the iPad. Uh, it's it's a it's a beautiful breakdown of all the visual effects of every almost every movie made since 1980. I, I you know first went through in my research for for my article and read the original Star Wars trilogy. You know it contemporary, like oh you know Bill worked on this shot and so and so. Richard Marquand is not mentioned once in the Return of the Jedi article.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Every time that somebody's coming in and giving pointers on a special effects shot or approving a storyboard, it's Lucas did this, George did this. Marcon is not mentioned at all. So even if George may not have directed the entirety of the live action, he did all the post-production.
0: Interesting. It makes sense. Uh, yeah,
1: I just wanted to get that out there.
0: I mean, in fairness, again, I subscribe to the theory that Lucas had a lot more to do with directing that film than is given credit for. But he did, I think it's like on official record that he he was in charge of the post-production of jurassic park for example and nobody's going to say george lucas directed jurassic park
2: mm-hmm.
0: although the edit sometimes certainly I feels like about park, i'm looking to me. around
2: <laughs> oh so you get this steven spielberg made two films in the 93 94 cycle you know that are of note right jurassic park right. and a little film called schindler's list um he... not a big deal <laughs> yeah no big deal right he makes jurassic park and then essentially abandons the film's kind of in post-production, to film Schindler's List and hands it over to George Lucas in post. So George Lucas um, essentially was a post-supervisor on that movie, and he apparently basically finished the film in uh, Spielberg's absence. Oh. Yeah. How did I not know that?
1: I think that's on record. I mean, that would be a direct lead-in to him starting on the prequels and making the special editions. Mm -hmm. So the theories have always been Lucas always had this idea in his mind. You know, of going back and finishing the movies. And for the Jabba scene that was true. He did actually I didn't believe it for the longest time, but Paul Hirsch wrote a book. Uh he helped edit with Marsha and George, uh and Richard Chu. A New Hope. And he was the one who convinced George to cut the Jabba scene. And George was like, No, no, I think that we can uh I could put have ILM put a stop motion guy in there, like in nineteen seventy six. Right. Uh, and he talked to ILM and they said, No, George. <laughs> han touches him we can't <laughs> do that and hirsch recently on another film another fan editor friend of mine jamie benning's podcast uh he said that uh he reiterated the fact that java just repeats everything grito said and there's no reason to have the scene and he was happy that george cut it and he's disappointed that it's back that was the the most mm-hmm. that we could get him to comment on the special editions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is quite something, honestly.
1: Yeah. Going back to the point of the story, uh, it's not like Lucas had some kind of of, of grand idea. Uh he just saw an opportunity to practice using Fox's money. Uh my the, the theory that I decided to go with that I, I based my Wired article on. Which I got from, I got the inspiration from a source. He pointed out that every single change made to the 1997 special edition is something that they could use a technology or a, a technique that they could use for the prequels. So instead of having Industrial Light and Magic on Lucas's own dime go through and create, you know, like, hey, if I film this thing today, can you like try to put like, you know, a weird slime creature in it. That's not what he did, because that would cost him money. So what Mm -hmm. he did was, well, you know, while I'm adding Java back here, you know, can you guys do ships? How cheaply can you do ships? And John Knoll said, hey, I've got a Macintosh with Photoshop that I invented, and I think (laughs) I can do ships on my own. And they were like, you do that. So they created a group called the Rebel Max, who went through and... Did all of the ship shots in the special edition? Hmm. They were all done on off-the-shelf Max to prove that you could do that, and they did a lot of shots uh, for the prequels too. So it was Lucas subsidizing research for the prequels using the Academy Award nominee for Best Picture in 1977. And and like you, if you look at them you know the java was proving that you can t- that Lucas doesn't have to lock off a camera. He doesn't have to shoot a clean plate. You know, he will to be nice if he plans ahead. But <laughs> if he decides that Jar Jar needs to be in the background of the scene, you know, you can do that. You can track it by hand, right? You proved it with Java, and Fox paid for it for so that they could release it in theaters again. <laughs>
0: This is why the Jurassic Park uh, lineage is is works so cleanly with the theory you present in your Wired article is because it, it just makes sense, right? Like mm-hmm. he helped out a bunch on the post production of Jurassic Park, and the wheels started turning for like how he could adapt and use that technology himself, and
1: so. And it and it was and it was for the prequels first and foremost with the Star Wars the original trilogy secondary. Yeah, they weren't even going to do Empire and Jedi. Until 1996, I think was when they decided they wanted to do them.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and like they reused, uh, they reused shaders from like the T Rex for Jabba the Hut, for example. Like they reused mm-hmm. dinosaur models for Moss Eisley. I know from
1: Jurassic Park. Yeah, the Ronto is a Bronto with a broken neck. Like, right. There's there's video of Lucas saying, you know, like trying to come up with a name for it. We just keep calling it the Bronto, and he's like, just call it a Ronto. Knock the bee off. <laughs> I have not seen that. It's on a. It's on Making Magic, the CD-ROM that came out to promote the special edition. Everything and good is I, on
0: Making Magic. I've never they, seen it,
1: which is why I preserved it mm-hmm. on my YouTube page. Oh. It was the one piece of preservation that I've done uh, hmm. as Star Wars Vizcomp, I did a, uh, I, I, re- I went through and clicked all of the links, and all oh. the videos, and and cut Come it on. together. It was a lot of fun. What's the total uh, runtime? It's about fifty minutes, I think. Oh wow! But some of that was uh, there's a lot of storyboards and stuff, mm. and I even went through all the credits of all the people who worked on the special editions. So that was another thing that I, I I've been wanting to do with VizComp, like you know, a lot of it is to point out the changes that there are thousands of little changes in the movies that you never noticed, but now you can't can't not see, um. But I also, they haven't changed the credits since 1997. You know, they added Ian McDermott to Empire Strikes Back, and Clive Revel is still credited in the credits. And we know a surprising amount about the making of the 1997 special edition, but we know next to nothing about why the changes to the 2004 DVD were done, or the 2011 Blu-ray, or handful of changes like McClunky that are in the in the what I call the 2019 special edition.
0: But then why give the Ewoks moving eyes? <laughs> <laughs> 3D. Oh, that makes sense.
2: So ah. the 97 special
1: edition was practiced for the prequels. The 2004 was just because he found a few more things that he wanted to tweak. Like the big 2004 changes are Java and the Rancor was recomposited. But the 2011 Blu-ray and the 4K Master uh, Disney Plus version were absolutely made for the 3D version. So that uh, you've got the the R2 rocks that you made fun of. Um, (laughs) That gives a little more depth to the scene, I guess.
0: Oh, That's been a mystery for so long why the rocks would be there. And that's a
1: very plausible theory. And that's not mine. Going back to the community, somebody else realized that. Right. Because I was just like, why are these rocks? And I was like, I don't know, 3D? And we're all like, wait, were all of these changes done for the 3D? And it looked like... So we assumed well. that the oh. that the Blu-ray was going to be the, uh, the 3D version.
0: So you can look deep into the watery depths of the
1: Ewok's eyes. I see. Right. Right. Which there are new eyes too. It's not yeah. just blinking. They have new eyes they're, tracked to their heads. Yeah,
0: yeah. By no, that's hand. the worst part. The new eyes are the worst part. <laughs> the new eyes. Yeah,
2: straight no, those the freak out me <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're straight up uncanny valley. Um,
1: and and here's the thing is that uh, like I was going back to the the artists and how they haven't changed the credits. Nobody who worked on the 2004 and 2011 versions and the 3D. 2k or 4k whatever version that disney plus has now someone tracked those eyes by hand who right and so part of the reason i i started the twitter was to get more word out there so that maybe somebody could be like hey i worked on that shot and to this day I have people who work for Industrial Light and Magic comment on my stuff, and the only people who comment, hey, that was my shot, were people who worked on the 97 Special Edition. It's like like the other vert changes didn't happen. But not only did they happen, they had to be redone, because when they scanned it at 4K, they couldn't just port over all the changes that they'd made to the Blu-ray, so they had to do them all again. The, the, uh, the detention block hallway that they redid for the DVD, they had to redo that again. Like, every shot, matting, you know, cutting out the actors, cutting out the smoke, putting it on there. They Someone had to do all that again. So not only did the person who did it the first time not get credited, the person who did it the second time didn't get credited. Because we're still on the 1997 credits. And I'm like, come out, say something.
0: Maybe they signed non-disclosure agreements.
1: It it's wild, but that's the that's only my thing theory. I can think is, of yeah. Drew, how do you how,
0: uh, through all this? How do you stick with it? How do you not in like three years after you first do this, like when you or like when you you finish up the Star Wars Blu-ray change then you go like I'm out. That's it. I've done my piece. What keeps you interested?
1: Uh, I. I just love AB comparisons. I love visual <laughs> effects breakdowns. And, and to me, this is kind of a before and after AB comparison kind of thing. Like, ooh, look at that. You know, that speck of dust moved. At, at, and at this point, I see that I'm doing a public service. Thankfully, the the Twitter, like if I just had the, the Google Photos thing, you know, I wouldn't redo them again. I would say, you're hmm. on your own, Harmy. Figure it out. <laughs> Which I did try to tell him the other day, but he's like, no, you got to help me. <laughs> I asked him. Uh, there are actually some camera movements now for the th- in the in the Disney Plus version that aren't in the original.
2: Oh my God! Really? Uh, yes.
1: Aww. Like uh, if you look at the shot of threepo's arm on the ground in A New Hope, mm-hmm. the camera does a little pan, just oh a
2: slightest no. little pan.
1: Oh wow! And you can tell that that was for the 3D. It's
2: exactly what Gilbert Taylor intended. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> There's a, a user called Nun on uh, on the Original Trilogy Forum. And he has a program that runs a difference comparison between the movies. So he took the 2004 version and the Disney Plus version and he lined them up and had it run with a difference, like the Photoshop filter. Oh, that's filter.
2: incredible.
1: And so he scanned through the whole movie, all three movies, and was like, hey, this camera doesn't line up here. Hey, there's <laughs> a... Uh, yeah, what's the, it called where they, you guys would know, I always forget what's it called where they, they selectively lighten parts of an image
2: that would either be called a power window or a secondary, usually power window, power window.
1: Yeah. So he pointed out like a bunch of power windows. So I learned about power windows a couple of oh, months yeah. ago when he pointed all that out. So there's, there's more power windows in the Disney plus version.
2: Uh, Ugh. We were actually just talking about that recently about because oftentimes when you bring in like you, you mentioned you're restoring an old film right, and mm-hmm. you're a criterion you bring in the old uh the old a c or the cinematographer or even director to do the, you know do their color grade of the digital version mm-hmm. um they um I was listening to this interview with a criterion restorationist where they talked about how oftentimes the uh, director would start by being oh we want to be pure, but you know halfway through the grade they'd start going. that power window button there what does that do and then you know (laughs) they'll they'll just totally redo it and um and you know that that, to me that raises so many questions but you know that's assuming that they're actually improving it that's when questions arise when you're making it worse to me there's no question i guess
1: i i feel like a lot of it has to do with the the 3d conversion and then we're just seeing like the left eye of the of the 3d conversion that's there (laughs) i mean it exists just like I believe that the original versions exist in multiple forms in the archives. There's a 3D version in 4K that exists. Will we ever see it? I don't care. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> D- didn't, like, um, a, my memory might not be serving. I just rewatched a bit of Iron Chef. Wasn't one of the prequels we released in 3D at some point? Episode one was released in 3D. Yeah.
1: Um, early, early 2010s. Yeah, that absolutely uh, happened. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, there was a change that was only seen on the Disney Plus version. Uh, so it's also just the left eye of the 3D version too.
2: Huh. Oh uh, boy. Wow. When
1: when Anakin is poking that magnet at the at the screen, trying to get that pod thing back in, <laughs> oh. they read uh. it was it was a, it was a really crappy looking, just no detail on the prop at all. Mm-hmm. So now it has like detail on the inside. So that because you know, if you're going to be if it's going to be coming at you, it should look good. Fair. Yeah, I, I feel like Lucas's changes uh, to the later versions were just for necessity so that the DVD had he felt like he needed some kind of selling point for the DVD. And and it you weren't while you were in there poking around for 3D, you might as well, you know, tweak this and change this while you're in there. Everything makes sense. Like, all the 97 changes make sense because of the because uh, they were practiced for the prequels. All the 2000... Most of the 2004 changes make sense because they were adding things from the prequels like Hayden Christensen. And most of the changes done to the 2019 and 2011 versions make sense in the conversion for 3D, except for one. McClunky. McClunky. It's the only change that has been changed every time, and... I really think that McClunky is uh, George giving fans the finger. Maybe like, oh, you.
0: I I actually thought of uh, I thought I thought of a reason for him to do it. I thought of a a reason why he would do it. Okay, because the well,
1: it's not in the original script. No,
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> the idea behind Greedo shooting first is that we can't have Han be that callous and villainous as to shoot someone without provocation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they had Greedo shoot first and Han reacts. Then they made it tighter. Then they made it tighter. Then they shoot at exactly like to the frame, I think the same time, which of course then it makes no sense because Han is shooting without provocation at that point. Mm -hmm. So my theory is that no one can, there's no way to read it as Han making the conscious choice to shoot second if he's reacting to the blaster fire. It's just incoherent. And so, like, Mm -hmm. maybe George, like, he took constructive criticism. He's like, okay, the scene's not working. People are right. It's not registering. It's dramatically incoherent. What would make Han shoot him first? Well, maybe, rather than Greedo shooting first, Greedo says something that makes it clear he's about to murder Han. Yeah. We'll have him say that. But um, what would he say... Uh, uh, hmm. good question well we don't have to translate it because that just it can be left up to your imagination to imagine that whatever McClunky means like maybe McClunky means I'm shooting you immediately you know for all you know mm-hmm. and so it's unsubtitled just to so that you don't have to worry about justifying it further it's this perfect ambiguous object now that's my reading of why McClunky is there
1: Somebody actually went through all of the Hattie's dialogue in the movies and found a line where Sebulba says something that almost sounds like McClunky. Uh. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I'm going to be the end of you or something. <laughs> it's entirely too long to read into, you know, in subtitles in that line. It's... <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is a threat, theoretically.
0: I mean, the Greedo shooting first thing, it's just so we're lucky that we have that for public messaging as an emblem yes, of the special edition. It's a
1: good meme. <laughs>
0: uh, it's just so like it, it damages the core of the film's dramatics. It's obvious, it's silly. It it got McClunky added to it in twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah. The more that he messes with it, the more attention that he draws to how stupid it is. Right. Like it's it's
2: wild. I remember when uh when I, it was, when the Blu-rays came out, the first set, and um, the first video of Darth Vader going no from Return of the Jedi, um, I for the longest time that leaked a little before the Blu-rays were actually released, and I, me and Will at least were convinced it was fake. Just utterly, you would not have been able to, sh- you know, shake the mm-hmm. copy at us and tell us it's real. And Def Con Five on that one, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, like I'm having that same reaction McClancky right now. Um, and it's just and and I think that this really gets at to me like the kind of I kind of have two debates going on in my head simultaneously when I think about stuff like this one is is it actually improving a film you know the practical one right uh, does a filmmaker because to me the person with you know maybe the most rights to change their work after the fact is the original filmmaker right even though that gets into the questions of authorship but I'd say you know All things being equal, George Lucas probably has more right than anyone to change at least the first Star Wars film. But on the other hand, all those changes, or at least most of his changes, I think, serve to make it worse. It's a worse object. Um, On the other hand, there's the second argument, which is the historical preservation argument of we need to have this original. So oftentimes when I have these, when I discuss this, I'm basically talking about two things. Um, So and that this is where i can draw a distinction between like this and the blade runner final cut right where to me that is the best version of that movie at least in my own opinion I- imagine you had both versions right you had um the-, the original star wars not a new hope star wars released in 1977 and the newest mcclunky version where do you come out on both of these debates i guess cuz th- i think it's two debates we're having
1: right i feel like um if we had the originals and the and the special edition, saga edition, whatever I want to call it, uh, if we had them side by side, McClunkley would just be an eye roll, like ah, he changed it again. Oh well, and 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 to me, that's the that's the big difference between you mentioned final cut of Blade Runner. Can I also buy the theatrical version that Ridley Scott hates? <laughs> yes when I bought Apocalypse Now on 4K and iTunes, I got, you know, it's in Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos. That's really cool. I also have the theatrical cut and the redo. And so I have three 4K Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos cuts of Apocalypse Now. You know, which one does Coppola prefer? If we can have them all, and it doesn't create Part of me feels like Disney feels like maybe it would be brand confusion, but they're still published legends. You know, you can still buy the original Thrawn trilogy that aren't canon uh, and, you know, the, the you know, Crystal Star and all these awful, awful, awful books. The Thrawn trilogy is not awful, but Crystal Star is awful. It's my go to awful Star Wars EU book. But legends exist. They could absolutely release the original trilogy under the Le- legends banner if they wanted to like they have the branding they also have the the want they also have the responsibility the library of congress wants the original version for in their archives but uh, whenever they asked george for it he gave him the 97 special edition like that's irresponsible that's you know they're asking for film history because they deemed them to be historically relevant pictures and luke is just like no 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 these new ones are what are relevant and the library of congress is like no it's not like but if we had them both i would be perfectly happy with this, this special edition if we always had them both i would absolutely still be doing what i'm doing now like doing these comparisons right because it's fascinating you're an ab guy to find all these little changes
2: well now i know how to pronounce richard marquand so that's great <laughs>
1: Yeah, we've been saying Marcan for years. That's how I pronounce yeah. it. Oh. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've just always pronounced it like that. I've I never know, heard anyone actually pronounce out.
2: his name because I it's not exactly a... Because <laughs> every bonus feature doesn't talk about him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we all know how to say Irving Kirschner.
0: One of the <laughs> one of the unblessed among the key Star Wars collaborators. Him, <laughs> Marsha. Yeah.
1: The Academy screened a 70 millimeter print of Star Wars last year. So that exists. The version, the 4K version that we have now is color timed similarly to the 1997 special edition, which we know was color timed off of a three color separation master that they have in the archives. A fade free three color separation master that they made of the original negative for preservation, which makes me think that it still exists because one, George says he never throws anything away. And two, why would you throw away a fade free three color separation master? And there have to be other internegatives negatives or inner positives or prints, unrun, non theatrically run, pristine prints in the archives. A professional fan made a cut, made a restoration of Star Wars using uh, multiple theatrical prints stacked on top of each other. So that if there was dirt in one print, he could erase that dirt and it would show the clean part because no dirt is going to be the same on any or scratch on any theatrically run print. So he was able to get it down to the the negative, basically making a perfect pristine version. And he gave it to Disney like he didn't release it to the public. He just gave it to Disney. They have the three color separation master. They have the 30 millimeter print. They have versions of the original and personally, I would prefer those to a rebuild of the negative using the original camera negatives, because I think that the temptation to tweak things would exist. I think that if you asked Industrial Light and Magic, hey, can you put these back together in the computer? They'd redo a wipe, which they did redo all the wipes for the special edition. So they would have to redo every single wipe going back to the original negative and rebuilding the entire movie again. And they're going to they're gonna tweak something in that point. They're going to be like, oh man, you know, I can erase this blob here. No, you can't. This is history. This is the versions that we grew up with. This is the versions that were nominated for Academy Awards. And it needs to be, if not a theatrically run print like 4K77, then a non-theatrically run print. And they have those pristine versions. We know it. They just need to release. Them.
2: Speaking of kind of this, I would call it pseudo revisionism of the negative versus trying to match release prints. Um, where do you come down on that kind of question? Because um, a lot of the times when films, older films, are scanned and you know from the negative in four K, eight K, like Lawrence of Arabia, uh, that version is an eight K scan of a seventy mil negative. Um, the quality of the image that you get from that far outstrips any seventy mil print you could get in nineteen sixty two. Um, and not only that, but you're seeing details in the highlights and shadows that you almost certainly couldn't see, uh, mm-hmm. stuff where, because of the printing process of those mass produced, very questionable, uh, you know, uh, release prints, um, probably were lost. Um, uh, we recently yeah. kind of, uh, had this discussion with someone who, again, a fan restorationist of the good, the bad and the ugly, where they mentioned that the, um, 4k version of that currently available by MGM, you see a, those skies are blue you can see all the clouds all the details it's gorgeous look at a release print completely white blown out mm-hmm. yeah and um if you could basically if, if you could wave a magic wand and go okay no we want to replicate the release print how it looked to audiences or no we want the best possible version of what the negative has to offer
1: i think that that color timing it and white balancing it to a release print is is the best option um you're absolutely right in that the raw scans like that of of camera negatives are going to show you highlights and details that just weren't meant to be seen like if we say oh you know in 4k you can see more than Mm -hmm. than you've ever have before but there's a limit to what the camera operator and the director meant you to see on that day just because the film negative was able to capture that much data doesn't necessarily mean that we need all of that
2: data that's very consistent (laughs)
0: well-reasoned take
2: yeah i I like that take i still have no for what it's worth full disclosure i still do not know where i stand on that aside from there should at least be a version available that matches exactly what they i mean if you were to
1: take that 4k scan and project it you know that that's probably probably right but you know i want i want the color temperature of the bulb Mm-hmm. You know, that, that you would have seen it on in 1977. I want that taken into account. I want, you know, which is all stuff 4K77 did. Which is why it's good enough for now. It's good enough for the people who can find it, who are really passionate about this. But my thing is that my dad can't watch the version he saw in theaters. You know, the the really, you know, ignite, ignited a spark in him. And you know i'm not going to be able to walk him through downloading 4k77 or even trying to figure out which version's going to play on his tv you know if i were to put it on a flash drive for him but he should have that option like you should be able to show your kids the version that you grew up with and you make that choice without having to figure out like i had to burn uh dvds of the despecialized versions for my friend cuz he couldn't show his kids you know cuz he Saw McClunky and he turned it off and he's like, "Well, I need to talk to Drew. <laughs> like the option needs to be there. I agree. And it's just that's all I'm asking for is an option.
2: This brings me back because um, I think what actually pushed Will and I to finish our current version of the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was actually taking all of our friends to the cinema and what and watching the um, the extended cut, which I don't know how up you are in on that one. But um, they added twenty minutes to it that Leone did not intend for the at least the oh no the English language one yeah and they got eighty year old Clint Eastwood to dub over his parts um, what <laughs> yeah oh, and no. a Lee Van Cleef impersonator um, so we show all our friends it and the general consensus for those of, who haven't seen the film is uh, you, you know it is not as cracked out to be a bit disappointing and we're like ah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. this is mm-hmm. not this is not what we intended um, and that kind of got us going.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all about just like wanting other people to see the film that was and the best version you're going to be able to show anyone.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to give my kind of hope moment <laughs> um, because I have my own kind of more generalized kind of optimism about this, actually. And I think that um, it's a shame it had to be Star Wars. But the fact that there is such a high-profile film where this is so... There's so many examples we can take from it, like Greedo shooting first, of where it's clearly a bad idea, transparently so. We haven't even talked um,
0: about the Death Star being in firing range of Alderaan.
2: <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. And
0: we won't. We'll put that in the show notes, the gif yeah. that says it all. So, um, minute, not Alderaan, Yavin.
2: But the fact that this exists, and it has brought the debate out from like the you know f- from the shadows, it's a big public thing, uh, relatively speaking. Um, I think the very fact that this debate is relevant enough that we can record a podcast about it even um, has done a ton of good for awareness of the need to preserve this sort of thing and i think that mm-hmm. the ripple effects from star wars and its mistreatment um have actually been a net good for other movies uh in that it has encouraged studios to do things like the blade runner set right where you have every single mm-hmm. possible version of the film um i'm, I'm not so five, sure five that that them.
0: would five five of the eight.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. five of the eight million and <laughs> um and but i do not think that and that blu-ray is still in print exactly yeah like like i, I genuinely think that 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 set would not exist necessarily if not for the hoopla over the Star Wars Special Editions. And to me, that's my, honestly, my biggest takeaway from all this, mm-hmm. that I'm so glad that there is an example like this that we can point to for have a cautionary the, good tale. Of, the good of all of film, basically. Right. And totally. again, sorry it had to be Star Wars.
1: It, it shouldn't be a cautionary tale, but it, it is absolutely a yeah an example of what not to do i mean look at spielberg when he re-released et you know he and he did the the cg stuff and erased the guns and stuff and then a few years later he was just like i'm just not gonna worry about that one anymore which you know what? Is a shame (laughs) yeah Yeah, because he's just like you know i just don't want to tinker with it anymore you know so i'm just only going to release the originals i'm like but you theatrically released that for an anniversary. Yeah. Like, I
0: agree. I, some I think people the same like thing. that. I, I wish I, he's got a responsibility to keep that one in print too, I think. I mean, yeah, E.T. Yeah. is like one of my I absolute think... favorite films ever. Uh, and I vastly <laughs> prefer the theatrical, but like, yeah, the same principles apply if it's a worse version. So my moment of hope is that if there's one mega corporation that I'm sure we can count on to do the right thing, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Walt Disney Picture Company.
1: It's not like several of their animated features have reanimated things that they did for an IMAX version that they just never went back and changed. So when you watch it, you're actually watching the IMAX version.
0: That's the, the spirit, universe. Drew. <laughs>
1: my donkey. So to to close, I w- I want to plug my Twitter account, you know which is at Star Wars Viz Comp V I S C O M P, and uh. I wanna encourage everybody to use the hashtag release the original trilogy, uh inspired by uh indignant indig- fans uh getting the Snyder cut to exist from nothing. <laughs> I I I assume that uh that tweets and uh, hashtags can do something. I don't want people to be like aggressively responding to every, you know, Star Wars tweet with it or everybody who's involved with Star Wars like The Snyder Cut people did, but I mean, like, I'm not asking for something that doesn't exist to be made and then released on HBO Max. I'm asking for the Academy Award winning versions of the Star Wars movies to be released. I mean, it's not a big ask. It's it's it exists and it's their responsibility to release it. So uh, I want to encourage people to use uh, the release the original trilogy hashtag.
0: Devin, if you have something to say, then...
2: Yeah. Um you to dope Slimo? Don't do that to me. Drew, I, I thank you so much for coming
0: on. And I am genuinely grateful uh, to you, to other people who trawl these forums uh, with their opinions and their recollections and their evidence, uh, Team Negative One... Uh, Harmy, I'm so I'm genuinely grateful not only for the work that's been done in preserving and cataloging all this stuff, but for the tact that is taken by so many of you in advocating for it. Um, I'm I'm just it's truly a good thing not only for Star Wars but I I believe for film preservation as a whole that there is a rigorous and vigilant community outside of official channels because i believe that's what's needed in film preservation in order for culture to be maintained um so thank you for coming on
1: thank you for having me it's a lot of fun
0: hey thanks for joining us today Paige smith as ever is our associate producer did you enjoy today's podcast hey come on Subscribe to us, and while you're at it, on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review. That really helps other people discover it. I can't say this enough! If you want to come on the show, or if you've got an idea for a topic, get in touch with us. You can get in touch by email at filmformally at gmail.com or social media on Twitter or Facebook at filmformally. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. We'll see you around! The only way we can get Drew to like Rise of Skywalker is if a special edition of it is released.
1: If I have to do a comparison of it, yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. We'll, I, get, I... we'll get you Stockholmed into it. Let,
2: let's petition. Let's do a save Drew's brain petition and then, so that never <laughs> happens.
1: Release the JJ cut just so Drew has to do something. Nope. Nope. The original trilogy. I locked it down.
2: <laughs> My monkey.